As a pastor, I'm constantly concerned about how to create connections beyond just the weekend services. And one of the valuable tools that we have found for achieving this at our church is our app powered by Subsplash. It's one thing to have an app. It's another thing to have an app that has the ability to allow your community to access messages, resources, and even give. And Subsplash created that for us. It's become our go-to platform for connecting with our congregation in ways we never could have before. Subsplash is so much more than just a platform or even just an app. It brings people together, empowers giving, and transforms lives. If you're interested in learning more, I encourage you to visit their website at subsplash.com. That's S-U-B-S-P-L-A-S-H.com. Subsplash.com. Following Jesus isn't always easy, but it's not complicated. Join us each week as we work to make faith simple. This is Simple Faith. Hey, welcome to Simple Faith. Hope today's podcast helps you grow in your faith and even make it a bit more simple. Today, we get to have a conversation with a friend of mine that I met probably 15 to 18 years ago, a pastor by the name of Gary Kahn. Gary's been in ministry for many years and has recently decided to transition from the um, vocational ministry to more of a, uh, a bivocational field and kind of working in the marketplace, helping people turn their marketplaces into mission fields. Gary's got an incredible story. I think you're going to love to hear from him. And I think for everybody out there that goes to work every day and thinks, boy, my faith ended on Sunday. My impact ended on Sunday. Now I'm back to the daily grind. I think this is going to help you. It's going to turn your Mondays into more of a mission field. I think you're going to love it. So I want to thank Subsplash, as always, for their support for the podcast and sponsoring it. But here's my conversation with Gary Kahn. Gary Kahn, welcome to the podcast. So glad to have you with us. Um, Your last name, is it any connection to the Wrath of Kahn from Star Trek? No, no, but I suspect that it might have some connection to like Genghis Khan. Ah, that's right. So for our listeners yeah. that don't know you, you're not from around here. Tell us where you grew up. Uh, well, actually, I was born in the Caribbean, Trinidad and Tobago. I know that's a surprise because you're thinking uh, he should have been born somewhere in India somewhere. But um, actually, my, mm. I'm fifth generation removed from ancestry in India, but uh, grew up in Trinidad and Tobago in the Caribbean, the very last island of the Caribbean chain. And um, about uh, 19, when I was about 19, I moved to the U.S. and uh, been there since. Settle a, an argument a lot of people have. Is it Caribbean or Caribbean? Okay, so I say Caribbean. Growing up, we said Caribbean. But then even in the Caribbean, there are those who say Caribbean. Really? Well. So I don't know. I feel it's whatever you feel like you want to say. Oh, that sounds like a really good cultural answer right now. So however you want to say it, that's good. Okay, so you you moved to the States, and what's what's your faith journey been like? Did you grow up in church, grow up a Christian that happened after you made it over here, or did it fall apart after you moved over here? (laughs) Well, actually, I um my both of my parents were pastors. Okay. Before I was born. So I kinda grew up um 
being yeah, I was born in church mm. <laughs> and I um, I have stories of my parents saying that uh, my dad would preach with me you know um, in his arms he'd be preaching and I'd be there sitting on the pulpit with him and wow you know so I suppose I was born saved no let's not go there uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, grew up as a PK um, I think I was probably the typical PK I kind of pushed back against having to, you know, everybody is looking at you and all those things. And so right around 16, I think I kind of may have just said, you know what, I have to explore this God thing on my own. I don't want the God of my parents. I want, I want to know God personally. So I went on this personal journey. And in that period of time, really felt like God was um, calling me to be a pastor. The one thing I said I was never going to be was a pastor like my dad. Um, and, um, and I ran from it for a long time. I actually had one of those, um, experiences where I heard an audible voice of God speaking to me mm. and okay. remember sitting on my bed and just got, uh, just hearing this voice say Gary. And I, I, I literally thought it was somebody playing a trick on me. So I was looking around to see if there was somebody else in the room, but just God just, uh, in an audible voice saying, don't run from me. I've called you into this. And so it took me about three more years before I, I, I actually kind of settled into, okay, I can do that. Hmm. And um, decided to go to Bible college and um, went to our denominations Bible college, which was located in Eugene, Oregon, hmm. uh, right next to the U of O. Wow. And, um, and so went there for four years and uh during that during that time I, I tell people i laugh all the time that i think i may have had i walked the furthest away from god during bible college <laughs> it's not uncommon <laughs> but uh then god just uh really met me in that place and just been an, a great experience of walking with god since you mentioned you heard an audible voice i i've never have but I know people that have. What, what is it that you think, I mean, why does God tend to speak non-audible to some, but then sometimes turns up the volume for others? Is it just, I mean, what, what, you've dealt with a lot of people throughout ministry. What are the common traits you see there? I, I think <laughs> if I'm going to be truthful, it's because I was hard-headed. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe... It's because you tend to say yes to God, and I tend to be like <laughs> la 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 la. I'm not. I don't know that there is a, a a a factor, honestly. I that I've noticed that's that's some sort of uh, you know unifying factor throughout it. But mm-hmm. I've only maybe heard of one other person tell me that they've ever you know heard an audible voice, and and honestly, even within that, I will tell you that there are days. I wondered if it was still in my head, mm. you know? Sure. So That'll be a good question when we get to heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you did 32 years in local ministry. Walk us through what that looked like. You get out of Bible college. Did you jump right in? Mm-hmm. What, what were the jobs that you did? And, and you mentioned, you know, you, you felt like you walked away from your faith during Bible college. Were there seasons you felt like your faith was in peril while doing ministry? Because it can be so difficult at times. Absolutely. Um, 
let me see. I, I, I'll I'll try to answer that in some of the order you asked it. Uh, I graduated from Bible college uh, one week, got married to my wife, who I met in Bible college. You know, that's why we called it bridal college. There you go. Um, you know, so got married the following week to my wife. And then the week after that, I moved to Santa Clarita and started working at uh, the church that I worked at for 32 years. Wow. Um, so so that pretty much graduated, you know, went on a honeymoon, married, went on a honeymoon, started at uh, Desert Streams Church. And, you know, during those years, I will say that it's always been I'm the kind of person I am a I'm a thinker. I, I discover God a lot in in processing things out. And, and so there are a lot of times over the years I've had the questions, you know. Hmm. Um, so I don't know that I necessarily walked away from God, but I had all of these questions. I'm constantly, you know, asking of God, is this why? Or what's the reason for this? Or, you know, so so for me, those crises of faith has been in the form of processing out with God and the Holy Spirit some of those questions. But with a deep-seated understanding that no matter what, I know God is real. I know that he loves me. And I know that he has a plan for me. Mm. And those were the truths you kept coming back to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's really good. So 32 years of ministry, you worked in student ministry for a long time, right? And then you became the lead pastor of Desert Streams? That's right, yes. Um, I So I went to Desert Streams to pastor as a youth pastor. I pastored there as a youth pastor for nine years. And then the remainder of that 32 years, uh, I was the senior pastor. Wow, that's a long stretch, man. Good job. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. I loved it, too. I want to, well, I think there's moments you love it and moments you, uh, you are discipled by it. So uh, um, I, I want to ask you about this because your new line of work is so interesting to me. You decided to step away from being a lead pastor to work with uh, marketplace chaplains. Mm -hmm. Explain to our audience what that is and what it is you do. Okay. Um, so I, I, I'm going to preface it by saying that one of the things that I, I as a pastor, that I always, um, I, I was very passionate about was reaching lost people. Mm -hmm. I, I, I want people to hear and experience the love of God and the, the, the uh, reconnection of relationship with God. Um, and I think probably one of my biggest frustrations was always feeling like I couldn't seem to um, connect with people inside of the church with that. Hmm. Um, and so um, along comes this ministry called Marketplace Chaplains. Honestly, I wasn't looking to switch roles in any way, shape, or form. I was enjoying what I was doing. Um, and someone calls and says, hey, I got a, I got a, a ministry opportunity that is perfect for you. And so they began... Hmm. I just laughed and said, not interested. They started talking about it. And I was like, wow, the more I heard it, the more I loved it. And the thing that really attracted me to it was the fact that we get, we are invited in to the workplaces of America mm. to be the hands and feet of Jesus. 
we're literally invited in. They pay us to come and share the love of Christ with people. Now, again, not necessarily in in words of, hey, do you know Jesus? Can I tell you the four spiritual laws? Mm. No, not, in, not in that regard, but in the regard of simply loving people in the workplace, people who would never, ever probably grace the doors of a church. Right. And here we are getting the opportunity to walk in and befriend them, build relationships of trust with them, and walk with them through difficult times when they, they're so open to hearing about Jesus. How, how does that work? You just roll in and start walking down the hall, swinging a thing of incense, or uh, <laughs> I'm trying to visualize you doing this. So what, is, yeah. what does it look like? So now I'm, I'm, I oversee the chaplains who do this, but a typical chaplain would um, walk into the workplace. We say, we, we encourage, we tell um, the, the companies when we come in and introduce ourselves, that um, we're a lot different than the chaplain you would see at a hospital. Hmm. If I'm at the hospital and uh, the doctor says, hey, we'd love you to see the chaplain, you're like, oh, crud, mm-hmm. we're in deep doo-doo here. Yep. Uh, we got to see the chaplain, right? Because they're in a place of crisis. You walk into a workplace, there's no felt need. There's no sense of, I need a chaplain. In fact, they're kind of like, hey, uh, don't come and talk to me. So when we walk in, um, really... We are not trying to uh, push any kind of religion, any of those things. We simply walk in and start connecting with people on on, on everyday things. Mm. I say build a relationship of trust. So we walk in, hey, Rusty, how are you doing today? You know, you know, I, I, I'm in your office. I might say, oh, love those pictures. Are those your kids? Uh, tell me a little bit about them. And, and again, short conversations. We don't try to grill them. But it's just consistently week in and week out, we show up, hmm. we find connecting points. We ask them, hey, well, how you doing? Did you watch the game last week? What, what did you think? You know, and, and we, we make these connections. Over time, they start looking forward to seeing us and waving us down. Hey, come on over. I got to tell you something. And they start telling us about their kids. Did you know my kid, you know, went to play at, you know, whatever and at that point, then chaplains can begin to say, you know, um, this week I'll remember to pray for your son as he's uh, okay. as he's heading out to college. Okay. You know, we, we make some of those kind of connections. Or they'll say, would you pray for me? Of course, you know. And, and we begin to do those things. So it's really a long game. It is the process of befriending people, building relationships of trust, so that when the doors and opportunities present themselves, open and present themselves, we can share the love of Christ with them in tangible and verbal ways. And they know why you're there. Yeah. They know who you are. Do you wear a little name tag that says chaplain or you wear a collar? Yeah, uh, name tag. <laughs> no collars. <laughs> I always wanted to wear a robe when I taught, you know, because then you're not worried if your fly's down. There you go. You know, or, did I iron my clothes properly? It seems like it'd be easier, but not in our tradition. Did, did you ever have that happen to you? Because I had that happen to me while preaching. Oh, Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you don't find out till later. It's, it's yeah, it's awful. Yeah. Uh, so I, this, I'm just fascinated by this. I think this is great. I think this is so, so helpful for people to be, you know, meeting people on their terms at, you know, at their pace. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also, stri- you know, kind of struck with the idea that this doesn't even just have to be you know, the marketplace chaplain's job, this can be anybody's role. 
So if you're Absolutely. if you're helping the guy that comes to church and thinks, well, you're a pastor, you're supposed to know all the answers, um, you're supposed to do that. But I just work at this job, you know, nine to five in a cubicle. Uh, what kind of ministry do I have? You know, what would you say to them uh, as they could possibly become the chaplain of their office or their worksite or their school? You know, what are some ways that you would coach them up to make sure their faith becomes transferable? Hey, let me interrupt for just a second. If you're a church leader and your church does not have an app or your app seems to be a little bit limited, check out subsplash.com as a great resource to really give your app all the horsepower that it needs. You can connect people, you can help them get access to messages, and you can help them set up recurring giving, which is a game changer when it comes to resourcing your ministry, subsplash.com. Okay, back to our episode. I mean, this is really probably the place I am. I, I love the most is that I, I think that we sometimes complicate Christianity and people make Christianity something like an addendum. And so it doesn't become just this natural piece of our life, just like, you know, they'll know me for, hey, Gary is funny, hmm. you know, um, which... I am. I wish I could do stand-up comedy. I'm not that funny. But, uh, I, we tend to make things a little bit more complicated, and it becomes this this uh, box we check off. But I, I just think, how can we be natural mm. in our workplace? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I and and just it flows out of it flows out of my my relationship with God in that. I love God, so therefore I I love hanging out with Him, and as I hang out with Him, I catch a little bit of His heart. And the older I get, the more I catch how much God loves people. Mm. I remember one day sitting down and watching. I I, I hate to uh, admit to it, but I was watching Touched by an Angel. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that show, Touched by an Angel? And um, and and in in the in the particular sh- uh, in in every episode they had that moment where the angel would say i'm an angel sent by god yes you know and um, i remember in this particular one when the angel said that you know later and and it was this old cowboy who was certainly not a god lover in any way and i'm sitting on my couch i've been pastoring for a long time and it suddenly struck me god loves people he doesn't just love christians Hmm. I don't know why I just, you know, hmm. God loves people. He loves the, I mean, I don't know why I, it just became that realization. Hmm. And I think we could start with remembering God loves people. God loves people. Right. Can we just love them the way God loves them? Can I lead with love and care for people? Can I, that to me, if I'm living out in the workplace, that's what I'm doing. I can be loving. I can be caring. I could bring I could hear somebody saying life has been difficult this last week. And I go, you know what? I heard that. I brought you a little 10 bucks to Starbucks. You can get a cup of water, you know, um, <laughs> and, um, and, but that, that simple act of love is, it's, is what it, they see God in that. Yeah. I, I believe that to me is, is, is really just a natural outflow of God. The other thing I'd say is I just think that, the more that we live from that life of faith where we don't walk around panicking and thinking the world is, you know, the sky is falling. But mm. I believe that, like I said, when I was um, in, in my crises of faith, the one thing I know is that God, uh, God is real, that he has a plan for me mm. and his plan is good. It's going to end well. 
no matter what, it's going to end well. So do I live as though it's going to end well? Or do I live as though, oh, my God, oh, my God, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Right. I think as people see those things, man, it's the most powerful demonstration of faith that makes them go, hey, I want that. Mm. That's so good. You know, you saying this reminds me of something I just read this morning. I took a picture of it and sent it to my family. It was just so impactful. And it's it's from this book that was written in 1973, Knowing God by J.I. Packer. It's kind of a, mm. yeah, it's, it's kind of a classic. But I love that book. He says this, What matters supremely, therefore, is not, in the last analysis, the fact that I know God, but the larger fact which underlies it, the fact that he knows me. I am mm-hmm. graven on the palms of his hands. I am never out of his mind. All my knowledge of him depends on his sustained initiative in knowing me. Yep. I know him because he knew me first and continues to know me. He knows me as a friend, one who loves me, and there is no moment when his eye is off of me or his attention distracted from me, and no moment, therefore, when his care falters. Oh, I love it. Isn't that powerful? It is, yeah. I mean... Oh, my goodness. And I'm hearing you say that thinking, boy, we make it so much harder than it is with the, here's what you need to do, and here's how you get in God's good graces, when really you're in His good graces. He loves you. Exactly. He's already given you more grace than you'll ever have. It's the acknowledging, acknowledging that. If I would uh, add one more thing, I would say, yesterday I was um, having a little prayer time with the, the chaplains that I lead, and uh, one of the chaplains read this devotional, and the, the particular passage was Psalm 23 that says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And 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 they went on to explain something else. But in that moment, I, I think it was the Holy Spirit that just really struck me with this realization that uh, God prepares a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Mm. That at every single moment... I have a choice of where am I looking? Am I looking at the enemy in the room or am I looking at the feast that I have? Because both are present at the same time. Mm. You know, I had Peter walking on the water. The storm was always present. It's when he took his eyes off Jesus and saw the storms that he sank. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me. Mm-hmm. So there is. Here is God with me, or am I looking at the valley of the shadow of death? And for me, I think the most powerful testimony of any believer is that those two things are always present at the same time. What am I looking at determines how I act, and that act of faith, if I'm looking at Jesus, changes the way I respond, and people see it. Mm. And it's a powerful declaration of faith. That's so good. Okay, well, I want to shift gears to your book. You've written several books, uh, but the latest one is called That Didn't Go the Way I Thought. Boy, we've said that a lot, usually when when you decide to, uh, you know, ride a skateboard or something. But uh, where'd this book come from, and why write this book? Oh, man. I I would say that um, this particular one could probably be an autobiography, right? Mm. Like you said, I mean, I, I, I used to tell the kids that when I die, I want on my tombstone, I wanted to say, here lies Gary Kahn. He was a man after God's own heart. But after having 32 years of, of ministry, of pastoral ministry, and 
And after the life that I've led, I really think that this is what I want on my tombstone is, well, that didn't go the way I thought, <laughs> you know, uh, really is an autobiography because I've looked, I'm sure you have too, but we look at so many things and, and, and it, 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 I always think, well, in my mind, that was doing a turn on a whole lot different. Right. Exactly. You know? So, so it, it's, um, that's kind of the genesis of where it started, but during COVID, you know, I, I had always wanted to write something and I thought during COVID, hey, let me, uh, let me get to work. And this was kind of where I landed. On. So tell me, um, you know, what, what's your hope for this book? I mean, I think all of us resonate with the title, but the subtitle is Navigating the Ups and Downs of Our Journey of Faith. So we've talked about some of your ups and downs, and we've all experienced some of those. What's your hope for this book? How's it going to help people? Okay. Um, whenever I preach any of those things, for me, the, the motivation behind it is I want to inspire people. I want to encourage people. I want to motivate them to be transformed in the image and likeness of Christ. Mm. My passion is to see people fulfill God's plans and purposes for them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, and so everything that I write is at or speak at, it's from that that basic motivation of, I mean, I want people to live in the fullness of all that God has for them. Mm-hmm. Um, also, but with that in mind, I, I remember just, like I say, going through those moments in ministry where you know God's called you to do something. You know because you've responded to this um this, this clarion call from God that said, hey, I have a plan for you. Mm. And, and I, I don't know about you, Rusty, but um, I go in sort of with rose-colored glasses. <laughs> I, have a, I have a delusion of what I think this thing is going to look like. And, right. and then all of a sudden I'm faced with, oh, well, this is not turning out the way I thought. And and, and so we begin to get discouraged or we begin to, to get disillusioned or we begin to fall into despair or, you know, we get depressed. And, and for me, what other D word can I think of? Uh, <laughs> you have to have three. Yeah, right. Um, and so uh, for me, I remember in ministry just thinking, man, I, I just want to encourage people in those moments. And it's not just pastors. I mean, we're all called on God's journey. And we all face those moments where we're, I don't know, did, did I hear God? Do I know what he's doing? Did, is this really the right thing? We get doubts, you know, we're like, I'm just done. I give up, you know. So for me, the, the, the motivation behind it is to, dis, to help people discover that we all go through this. This is this is part of the course. Mm-hmm. And so and one of the things I found in and I wrote it through the perspective of Abraham, although you can look through the Bible, you'll find it the pattern that I find that God calls us. There's this moment, whether it's a audible voice or simply an impression that is uh, that is uh, confirmed through the voices of others around you. That God calls you to something and you know that you, you just know that this is something God's calling me to. And Holy Sheila, after he calls me, he, there's this moment of setting apart or consecration. Hmm. You know, he sets us apart for the task at hand. And then he, 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 he finds, he, he covenants with us. He, he kind of works into us this, this uh, understanding of covenant relationship. And, and, and so there's a couple more parts in that too. But um, 
but on the whole, it follows this pattern that God takes us through on this journey. Mm. And so using the life of Abraham, I kind of uh, explore that pattern. That's so good. Are you a person that enjoys writing or just enjoys having written? Actually, I've discovered that I like writing. Okay. Wow. That's awesome. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I have to. I have so many rewrites that I start hating it. But uh... <laughs> the best advice I ever got was: you can either write or you can edit, but you can't do both. Right. So don't try to edit as you go. Just write, and it's awful, and then mm-hmm. edit it later. And that that helped me like it a little more, but still not a lot. Well, I I loved it until my editor started to, uh, <laughs> um, talking to me, and then I started hating everything. But. Uh... Yeah, that first time you get the copy back and it's just red marks everywhere. You're like, man, this is not worth it. Well, buddy, I've always enjoyed our friendship over the years and the laughs we've had. I love this season of your life in ministry because uh, we get to see each other more often on the weekends uh, because you have a very relaxing Sunday now uh, because your ministry time's during the week, not on Sunday, but yet you still help us lead worship and everything, which is awesome. But Yes, sir. Well, Gary, for our listeners that are thinking, boy, I'd like to know more about this marketplace ministry and, and finding a chaplain, where can they find out more about it? Uh, you can go to mchapusa.com. Okay. And uh, they can check it out there. They can always, uh, if you want, they can call me. But the best place to start is mchapusa.com. mchapusa.com. Yes. Fantastic. And then where can they find your book? Amazon. Okay. Amazon. I've heard of them. They've got a little yeah, yeah. side business going on. So Amazon for That Didn't Go the Way I Thought. And I just love the book, man. Great job. So Gary, thank you. Thank you for all that you do and for the lives that you uh, impact. And uh, thank you for being on the show. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Well, that was great, Gary. I'm so grateful for your influence in my life, but also uh, for your influence on our podcast listeners. Hey, next week, we're back with the guy running Subsplash. And particularly if you are working in a church, you might be wondering, boy, how do I connect with my people more than just on Sunday? He's going to help you do that. You're going to love to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit and see a little bit behind this incredible sponsor, but incredible app of Subsplash and all that they do. So next week, Chris Sharp joins us on the podcast. I want to thank Subsplash again for their sponsorship and thank you for listening. Love to hear from you. So you can uh, reach out to me at rgeorgecrossroadschristian.org or you can also just help us out by leaving a review and subscribing to the podcast. Have a great week and as always, keep it simple. Keep it simple.